0: Hi everyone, my name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi everybody, this is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. This is the fourth part of our four-part series on Richard Ramirez. Hi. Hi there.
1: So we're going to wrap things up today, but we're going to talk mostly about his arrest, what followed the madness that we talked about last week, right. which was his, um, oh my God, I don't know how far he ran, how many fences he jumped. But
0: <laughs> yeah, you were really impressed with his, uh, his superhuman his ag- strength. His agility. <laughs> yeah.
1: But also just um, like we were saying last week, how he ended up, really being taken down and caught by civilians. Mm -hmm. And um, what I want to get into today is Ramirez went into this knowing that once he was caught, it was over and his family, his parents were in complete denial and he, I don't know how much of this was his mental illness or guilt from family or whatever, but he did at times admit and then he would redact and there was all of this like back and forth, which is one of the reasons why getting his trial started was, it was one of the reasons why getting his trial started was really complicated. And there were a ton of delays for a number of reasons, which we'll talk about, but he was also um, we've, we've talked about his primal, ness nature whatever um before and so imagine someone like this now being told that he has to be contained and essentially put behind bars which is like a cage to him and if you remember going back to the very first episode he was incredibly uh he couldn't sit still so being in jail for him was absolute torture and when at the very end of last episode, he says, you know, once they capture him, which is, you should have just killed me. Um, I, I just, just give me the electric chair. That would have been easier with. for right. him. <laughs> he didn't want to now go into this process where he was going to have very little control mm-hmm. and would have to, he would no longer be able to play this character. Yeah. Um, without accountability and consequence and all these things. So he, this is a guy who went from, Doing all of his business at night, nobody being in his business, going um, off on a killing spree for long enough without having to answer any questions. And now he's caught and he's contained and he's chained and he's put behind bars. He is literally like an animal, like ready to bust. Ready? Yeah. And then all of the media attention. And, right. Which he had to learn how to capitalize on because at the beginning it was incredibly disconcerting and then he found, whoa, wait a minute. I actually have people who are on my side. Yeah. And he played that up. So he ends up, so we left off where he was beat up, he has bandage on his head, he's in the back of a cop car and now they, they bring him in. Okay. So he ends up in a lineup with five other men who resemble him, but at the sight of him, people in the audience just... Gasped and began to cry. They just automatically knew it was him. Um, so, not only in the lineup, but also in the courtroom, his presence alone, people, their hearts were racing, their hands were shaking. Once he entered that courtroom, whether it was witnesses or survivors or whomever it was, it created such a, a reaction. like Traumatizing a, 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 to them. To the whole group yeah. that it it was audible mm-hmm. in a sense. Okay. Um, so the intensity of publicity and outcry was a concern to his public defender because that was an automatic guilt. You know, his public defender's going, There's just, there's too much. There's too much of a reaction here. All of this stuff is out now. How are we going to get a fair trial? Mm -hmm. So um, his public defender at the time was Alan Adeshek. I think that's how you pronounce it. He believed it could jeopardize the chance of a fair trial. He was told once that um, private counsel was assigned, he would have to leave the case. And he did not like that. So Adeshek plays a, a big role in the beginning because he knew and had the experience to know that the idea of another attorney being brought on who wasn't seasoned enough, Ramirez was done. So yeah. he really felt that this was his case. However, imagine you hear this case, this trial, um, and attorneys who from all over are going, I want to rep- do this. Yeah, they
0: want the notoriety. They want
1: the notoriety. So Emmanuel Barasa read about Richard in the El Paso times and was actually married to someone who was Richard, Richard's neighbor growing up. Oh, wow. So as far as Richard's family went, this made them feel incredibly confident. We want somebody we know, we want someone who's Spanish speaking. Um, and so that's where they went with it. And Barasa finally meets Richard and he's really struck by how polite and articulate articulate Richard was. We've listened to some of his stuff in the other episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone who interviewed him would say that the person that I don't want to say I don't want to use a definitive, but most everyone okay. who interviewed him yeah. would say that they can't believe that the person who did all this
0: oh, is this person.
1: Presented this gentle. Oh, I see. Um, and even, you know, he goes on to have these women who are obsessed with him and whatever, who really end up sort of taking this motherly kind of, there's no way he could have harmed anyone. He's so vulnerable. He's so oh, soft-spoken. <laughs> and when you watch interviews with him, he he does, you know, he tries to come off smarter than he is. And we've talked about that. But he does have a demeanor that's quite calm in a okay. lot of his, his um, interviews. Yeah.
0: So people were really, it was like this anomaly, like how... And Just, I think, yeah, because of the primitive behavior, right? This right. disorganized, primitive. He seems like a monster. And then I guess what you're saying is that in person or when you watch interviews of him, none of that presents. He comes off more, tries
1: to anyway, come off more profound, more soft spoken. So for the um, average person, he the, looks. For the average person. Yeah. But like you were even saying in the last episode, this, the, the way he did what he did yeah. was how most people think about serial killers. Yeah, okay. So Ted Bundy talking like this wasn't oh, yeah. very surprising, but Richard Ramirez talking like this, it just really didn't add up. Gotcha. Um, although we start to see some of the mask drop the longer he's in jail. Okay. So um, Richard liked that Barasa had the same ancestry. And so he began opening up. And Barasa, uh, he, he started to share with him how his massive headaches were likely due to being poisoned by his keeper. So now we start to see some of the mental illness and delusional okay. mm-hmm. stuff starting to set in, maybe some psychosis. So he starts to, in some ways, make himself vulnerable to him and say, I, I actually feel like what's happening to me in here is they're trying to kill me. Now could it be manipulative? Maybe. Or we're just now starting to see the other side, which is the mental illness side, seep in. Um, But due to not having a license to practice law in California, Barasa could only oversee the case, but he couldn't be his attorney. Uh. So he still told Adeshek he'd be taking over and trying to find a more appropriate attorney for Ramirez. So right from the get-go, you have counsel fighting over who's really going to be in charge of this case. Mm-hmm. The reason why this is important is because there were so many, um, it stalled a number of times because R- Richard's side couldn't get it together. Oh. And so you had his family who was arguing for one, Richard arguing for another, Adeshek saying, no, I want this. So it, it started off incredibly intense because they all knew
0: he was guilty, and it was going to take the right person to step in. And I would imagine at this point, it's just about not getting him the death penalty. Is that what they're trying to avoid? I, I would think so. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't think they're trying to prove his innocence, or maybe insanity, or some well, shit like that. You'll yeah, see who. You go co- ahead. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the two <laughs> who come on. Um, okay, we'll get there. But yes, they're one of the attorneys. Okay. tries to come on and actually make it look like there were like five different killers. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> they tried <laughs> all these different things. So Adeshek <laughs> goes back in the next day and Ramirez refused to, refuses to speak with him or even be re- represented by him. So Richard's now going, since I met Barasa, I don't even want, by. I don't mm-hmm. even want to talk to you. So part of this was Richard was ready to plead guilty um, if he received the death sentence. Dying didn't scare him. At all, and I think if you think about someone who is sadistic and um, incredibly psychopathic, dying in itself he isn't scared of. It's the torturing along the way. It's the not being in control. I think that
0: terrified him. Oh yeah, more than because anything. I, I, I think with his belief system, he believes death would be autonomous and freedom, redemption, and he has some beliefs probably about the afterlife. And not dying means the actual torture yes which would be humiliation and that's and right. being locked up and controlled right
1: he's like i just want this done with just do whatever you need to do but i don't want to go through this this was more hell for if him. If you really
0: want to punish him that's what you do
1: right <laughs> right go ahead so that's dying it. didn't scare him like you said he would end up in a place of honor in hell with satan this is everything he dreamt of this is why he did what he did so to him death was a reward
0: this was the ultimate end that he was had probably planned
1: right So in some ways, he probably wished he would have died that day of his arrest.
0: And yet he ran. Right. So uh, you see that like primitive instinct to survive takes over as if he could not to be captured, but not to be captured. So he could keep killing. Mm -hmm. But this is I mean, often we would see with this personality that he would have killed himself or shot himself in the head before being captured. But he didn't do that. I'm really shocked he didn't. He might have except citizens. Yeah. Eventually, Intervenes. I think he would have.
1: Yeah. Because if you think about the time, the, the there was such little time by the time he got off the bus, figured out what had happened, and his capture. There you go, yeah. So let's say another month had gone by, I think he would have taken his if life. If he hadn't
0: been out of town or whatever, and if he had been mm-hmm. a part of it, and it was happening over a couple of months, he might have just taken his own
1: life. I think he would have. So Adeshek knew this was impossible to argue with. He wasn't going to be able to talk Ramirez out of what he wanted to do
0: yeah
1: so his sister ruth and and barasa would find the hernandez brothers to represent richard mm-hmm. so this is sort of where the shit show begins yeah. if it hasn't already <laughs> his sister ruth would conclude that Adishek was um holding her brother like a prisoner so she was like you are not the right person for him we need somebody else. You are not listening to his needs. You are disrespecting his rights uh, or violating his rights. So Ruth wanted Adeshek completely off, but he was really the only one who knew what he was doing at this point. So his, but his sister's pleas to defend him would not stop Ramirez from pleading guilty. So even though Ruth is like, I want you off the case so we can get somebody in here who's going to really be able to help him plead a different way ramirez is like it's not happening i'm going to plead guilty this is what i want so Adishek would then be on the case for a while longer and more contention would build up between the two of them he would refuse to talk to him because richard believed that Adishek wanted publicity and was not listening to richard's wishes so he thought Adishek was doing this all for attention mm. which is kind of ironic yeah um yeah. so Were you going to say something? No. Okay. So um, a man by the name of Melvin Belly appears at the jail on September 19th. Belly knew he would not have the time to represent Ramirez if the case went to trial. He experienced Ramirez as quiet and shy and found his case to be a phenomenon. So again, uh, presenting very differently than what we would assume. Belly wanted this case but knew that he would need a lot more time. But what he did try to do is he tried to get Ramirez to plead insanity. Mm. But Ramirez is like, no, not insane. <laughs> Again, Thank you. I am pleading guilty.
0: Yeah. And I'm he trying to
1: die here. And he blatantly said he what I'm not crazy. Yeah. So this goes back to, I know we keep referencing Bundy, but if you remember during Bundy's sentencing, when they gave him the opportunity for an appeal, but because of his narcissism, he blew himself up. Yeah. This was the same. He had too much pride to say he was insane. He had too much pride to say he didn't know what he was doing. He wanted to, he got off on the fact that he had orchestrated this, that Satan had given him this mission, that he had completed it, and he was in complete control. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so clearly that didn't happen. He said he wasn't crazy. Belly takes an interest and describes Ramirez as likable. So he's like the third or fourth person to do this. Mm. He states that he would only be able to work on the case if he could get the money for a thorough mental evaluation. This is the first person who's even thought about bringing this piece into The mental it. health part. The in. mental health part into uh-huh. it. But Richard, again, this would not be the case because one, his family couldn't afford it. And I don't think Richard would even have complied to that. No. So. No,
0: he's like, I'm perfectly sane.
1: Right. So Belly, control. <laughs> Belly was trying to come into this from the angle of, okay, well, if we know he's going to get the death penalty, maybe we can try to get the insanity plea, right. but not happening. Yeah. So due to the v- variety and, and severity of his crimes, it took two years just for the preliminary hearing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So imagine the amount of money and time this is costing, but for the defense team, this is a gift they are buying so much time. They are buying yeah. witnesses falling off or forgetting things. This is, if, if you have done court work, you know, in cases like this, if you can stall it, hmm. that can sometimes be advantageous for the defense. Yeah. Part of this was, um, there was a legal delay. Because of the legal delay, there was money, but then Ramirez would also confess and then retract multiple times. So he was delaying his own case, which is interesting because he just wanted it to be done. (laughs) Yeah, he did. So that part you could analyze to death.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: So this is now where, because there's now been two years, people are really starting to fall. It wasn't like a one and done. It was quick and it was over. Now you get people who are really, there's a lot of. Uh, pop culture going on around it for two years. That's a lot mm-hmm. of time for information to get out and people starting media. to you media know. and people starting to choose sides. Yeah. So, to occultists, Ramirez had become a hero. Mm-hmm. He openly stood up mm-hmm. and embraced the, dic- the dictates of Satan. So, Satan worshipers were like, This is our guy. Okay. So, other Satan followers started to visit Ramirez in jail, and two members made him an honorary member of the Church of Satan. All right, then. So now, yeah. (laughs) So now he's becoming a leader, Mm -hmm. right? Um, All the while, Ramirez's defense team, the Hernandez brothers, are completely unseasoned. And this was actually the first murder case they had worked on. Imagine. Wow. Welcome. Yeah. Okay. So because they were unseasoned, they created a lot of delays, which allowed Ramirez to um, to work on and develop this celebrity the persona the persona. <laughs> so again, all of these delays are helping him yes, and helping the case. So he now becomes the celebrity he'd always wanted to be. And he, this is where he starts to develop a female fan following. Mm. And these women start to show up to court. He would turn around, he would stare down the court wearing sunglasses, but then he would play it up and wave at the women and flirt with them. So he was now, de- he was in control. What do you make of the women? Oof. Well, there's definitely the um, well, there's a lot going on, right? Okay. So you have the the like we've talked about with Manson, mm-hmm. the the cult sort of leadership thing. I think there's uh, even though they weren't cap, they weren't survivors or victims, there is sort of a trauma bonding and and a seduction around his power. Mm-hmm. And then also I think because of the way that he presented, some women became very protective and
0: nurturing and motherly yeah, around. So there was a mother thing that he pulled from people.
1: Yeah, and I'll talk about that in a little bit when I get into the women, but um and it might be coming up now. But okay. I, I think that these women saw him in a way that was he was very seductive, powerful, sexy, and they were not his victims. Mm-hmm. And if he was treating them with this, it was insincere. But this um, yeah. attraction, it's like how I would imagine they were going. Wow, he chose me.
0: Yeah, I was thinking along the line, and I guess you're gonna. I mean, should I wait because I know no, you're gonna go get ahead. into the women? But I, I was thinking uh, along the lines of the the domination mm-hmm. piece of this, and how uh, being dominated and controlled. Especially by a celebrity, mm-hmm. um, is a fantasy. Yeah, and I don't. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there that it's possible that most of these women have mental health issues of their for own for sure. And so, th- I'm not sure if they because we're talking about them as a group. So I'm not looking at them individually, which would be more um, in line with how you could actually talk about this. But like, if you. If you have a fantasy and you're not mentally well, that fantasy isn't what we know of reality. In other words, if I have a fantasy about that, I personally know that I'm not going to act out that fantasy with a, an actual serial killer and rapist. Mm-mm. But these women, I have a feeling, you know, can't make that connection, but also don't see it as entirely real as if um, I think the game that ends up happening in their mind is that they think that they're different and that he would treat me differently. And he would see me as his partner, not his victim.
1: That's well, that's exactly what I was saying is like, they were the exception. Yes. They weren't going to be his victim. In fact, he, they were so unique and so special in that way that he wanted to protect them and well and often to, that's yeah. what the
0: narcissist does with their with their person of, right. at you're the, the, the moment. chosen one and that's how the partner gets seduced into it initially many times is that you're special I've never felt this way before you are different I wouldn't victimize you I mm-hmm. you know you're you're smarter than all those other people you're you're with me in Satan you're mm-hmm. you know I can just imagine the
1: yeah and they loved it yeah and you're right they were all um, incredibly unwell. Yeah, I um, especially knowing all the details of what he had done. Okay. So the Hernandez brothers mm. are not only hampered by their lack of experience, mm-hmm. but now Ramirez starts to get really cocky, oh, boy. and now we're not seeing the the so. Vulnerable, nice, sweet, whatever they thought they saw. We're now seeing the mask drop and we're seeing the defiance and outburst starting to happen in court because now he has developed. This is his kingdom now in his mind, right? He'd be triggered. It'd be triggering. Yeah. He's triggered
0: into that behavior. That's
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't keep up the mask anymore, right? He cannot keep up the mask and he's entitled and he's. Uh, experiencing fear he's not in control so this certainly did not look good or help their lack of experience because he was uh, he was beginning to unravel and they couldn't contain him so ramirez defense ends up bringing in ray clark so this is now another guy to defend after (laughs) countless delays by the hernandez brothers so the court's like okay hernandez you guys are taking way too long we're going to bring in somebody new okay they bring in ray clark clark would try and find alibis to help ramirez none of them worked so the, i think what ended up killing no pun intended killing that was um he was clearly guilty yeah so I you mean, and, and clark's gonna he come wasn't in denying with that. it and he wasn't denying <laughs> it so what a waste of time I know. this guy really wanted to win and oh, clearly went with his own agenda clearly. so they're like uh, peace out yeah bye this is not working so then the ramirez family formed a united front okay his mother believed that his that he was innocent after telling her that he was not the one who committed these crimes so remember Uh-oh. he admits he redacts, he admits and he retracts so you his family has already decided no matter what he says okay that he's innocent
0: line to the yeah i mean that makes sense i guess so we're going to take a break right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In that delusion, yes. let's take a break. We'll be right back. Kathy and I can be reached on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page for extra content and more behind-the-scenes discussions. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and new episodes of Shrink Chat every Friday. Keep coming back, but first, stick around for more of our show. Hi, everyone. We're back from the break, and this will be... Our sec- last section of this four-part series, but I'm looking forward to what happens next. So now we know there's been a ton of delays.
1: The, Ramir- or the Ramirez brothers, the Hernandez brothers, um, are not doing their job. They've tried to bring in other attorneys. Clearly, uh, nobody can contain Richard and his family, who has this is this united front. They're trying to get him to calm down. They believe his innocence. Instead of being calmed by his family, it does the exact opposite. Ramirez actually now starts to become increasingly angry and defiant. Uh, He's coming into court glaring at reporters and he no longer cares about his composure or how he's being viewed. He's no longer, there's no self-preservation left. And really his only satisfaction uh, from day to day are the women who... Write him, come in to see him, worship him, all of that. Yeah. So with all the back and forth, Judge Soper ends up allowing the Hernandez brothers to re- represent Ramirez, despite being out of state attorneys. So they're like, okay, we just let's go. We need to move on. <laughs> right. So Richard decides to make one more big move before the so the trial hasn't even started. Oh my god. Okay, we're we're yeah <laughs> yeah. He he makes one more big move um, <laughs> before the trial begins, and this is where it's like. We're just done. Yeah. He raises his right hand to his spectators. His face is filled with what they describe as malicious intent. He opens and shows the pentagram on his palm, raising it high, and then beneath it are the numbers six six six, which is the mark of the beast, you know, representing the devil. Everyone now um is in an uproar, and his mother completely devastated and crying. Like how can you even? We're, we're, it's like we're working harder than this guy. Oh yeah, and the, he is putting up all this resistance, and everyone's trying to save him, and he's like, "Stop!" Every time they go to save him, he sabotages it. So Judge Soper's banging the gavel. She hasn't. She doesn't know what's going on because it's facing the other way. Hmm. Um, but then she she quickly begins to understand. It's she, very famous. It, it's very famous. It's a
0: famous moment.
1: Richard is guided back to the holding pen. he shouts hail satan the court then unravels again it almost sounds like something from the 1800s yeah right um so if if anyone had any doubts regarding his guilt yeah no this was now likely the end of that yes so he's now sent to san quentin to await his trial he firmly believes that satan would protect him so he feels incredibly confident about his disclosure in the courtroom Halpin knew that the Hernandez brothers were way over their head and too inexperienced for this. So he, he's at this point now too, where everything that he's doing is in honor of Satan. Mm-hmm. So his composure, um, his impulse control, all of that stuff goes out the window because he is now committed to Satan so he's going to do everything he's going to be the antithesis of everything his family needs him to be wants him to be and hopes him to be so monday march 3rd 1986 the preliminary hearing now we have the start of the trial so this has been a whole year yeah really i mean it's been it's been a while so richard shows up wearing baggy pants and chains and He's really hating jail because he can't sit still. He was a hyperactive kid, like I was talking about before. Yeah. This is where he starts to begin playing with his audience, smiling at the girls, snarling at the press. Yikes. Um, Halpin, who's one of the attorneys, removes both of Ramirez's parents from the hearing, stating that they're, they're going to be witnesses. Yeah. So they're not allowed to be in there. Oh. If you're going to be witnesses, you're, you no. can't just sit in here. No. So... That, everyone becomes unraveled because of that. Oh, now during the court testimony, Ramirez starts to laugh when the witnesses would describe the brutality of the murders. Mm. So an example of this would be Uloth's testimony. Uloth, I believe, was um, um, an investigator detective. Okay. Uh, he says, there, there was her eyes there was a lot of blood and disfiguration and the coroner examined that area and the eyes were missing. And as he's saying this, Richard just lets out like a hyena laugh. Mm. So I just want to pause there for a moment moment because I've sat in courtrooms and I actually worked on a murder case and these moments in, in a courtroom are incredibly raw. Um, They're incredibly uncomfortable you're talking about somebody's life. You're talking about you're ta- the family is in the courtroom. Um, it becomes incredibly vivid. So I just want to sort of paint this picture that there are survivors in that room. There are family members in that room of people who died. And the, the detectives and the um, investigators and all of the people who worked really hard and had to be at these forensic, um, at the scene of the crime are all there this is already so traumatizing and then while they are talking about this he's just laughing like a maniac yeah he's taunting them and i can't imagine for those people this is where my empathy goes out how how much constraint they had to have to not get up and just strangle him right Mm -hmm. then and there because i try to think about if that was a loved one of mine and he was doing that Mm -hmm. it makes me really sick
0: yeah. When you were talking, I was thinking, I was just struck by, you know, he left a lot of people alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, percentage wise for me, for most killers, for most serial killers, he was also a serial rapist who mm-hmm. left a lot of people alive. So I was thinking about them. Yeah, And if they chose to be in the courtroom, if they didn't right. chose to be in the courtroom, you know, I'm sure some went there and some didn't. Well, there, many of the
1: survivors were asked to testify, Mm -hmm. and they were saying that some were so incredibly anxious and weak to see him that they had to be carried out by the bailiffs.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me.
1: Um, Some of them would go into a lot of detail about his physical violence and rape. And what we do know about survivors of trauma is uh, a lot of times they can do that from an intellectual place Mm -hmm. where they can tell their story without really emotionally processing it. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how many people went in, and it was almost like autopilot for them to tell their story, but not connected to the trauma. I don't it, was know. A couple
0: of, it was a couple of years later, mm-hmm. right? So, depending on what kind of work they'd been doing on themselves, and because of the time period, I don't think you know, it's totally possible that they weren't in any kind of therapy or any kind of, you know. Uh, survivors groups or any of that some probably were some probably weren't so yeah I can see that if you hadn't done any sort of work around it, it there would be that blunted affect of being able to compartmentalize and just tell the story as if it in in a way as if it Was outside of you, yeah, outside Mm -hmm. of you, in in a depersonalized way, and but if they had done intense work over those couple of years, they would also be able to do that. Except they would probably cry, Mm -hmm. and they would have the emotion would be connected to the events, right? So yeah there's a lot of di- I'm sure there was lots of different kinds yeah. of presentation and you can
1: watch the I mean his trial there there's a lot of footage so yeah. you know if people are interested in looking at the more interpersonal dynamics of that, you can watch that it's yeah. it's hard to describe over a podcast, but I did watch some of it. Um, and it's incredibly hard to watch to be honest. Mm-hmm. so as this now continues, Richard continues to smile and play up the women um, who come support him. Mm-hmm they're dressed in really short skirts, their legs are slightly ajar, they're playing with him. This ends up being like just a game for him because he's done. So he'd be laughing, scoffing at the court as all the witnesses are testifying. Um, He would turn around and he would mouth things to the groupies. This was clearly not allowed
0: and he would be reminded, but he didn't care. Well, we can also assume if we're going on what we talked about in the first episode that he's responding to internal stimuli as well. And
1: possibly, I yeah. mean, I don't,
0: I don't think they're medicating him at this point. No, <laughs> We don't usually get a lot of medication in prison. So,
1: um, or, or they're you either see not enough or you see them overly medicated, right. but he was able to, you know, he was he wasn't in a hospital. He was in he was St. Just Quentin. The same. Yeah. yeah. So he, he ends up, um, At one point, Stephen DePrima, who's a bailiff, he keeps noticing Richard turn around and play with these women. So he does something really dumb. Oh, boy. And he grabs Richard's head. Yeah, I bet he's pissed. And he (laughs) turns it back to the front of the room. he just got pissed. And Ramirez yells, get your fucking hands off me. And he grabs the bailiff. So two other bailiffs have to rush in and pummel Ramirez to the ground. And they had to cool him off. And he would eventually be brought back into the courtroom. And when he was, he was smiling as if he had gotten into some like fight at school.
0: Yeah. So, um, chaos he, just cr- creating chaos, creating Yeah, that stuff's the high. Chaos. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's doing that with the women and that anytime he can, anytime he can dominate you because mm-hmm. that's a domination. If we, mm-hmm. if, if, if you do something that pisses me off and I lay into you, that's you winning. Yeah, you yes. Know? So so that's that's he's trying to he's baiting everyone, whether that's sexually or violently or it's his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's his kingdom. So
1: even though he appears to be the prisoner in there, he's running the whole show. Yeah. 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 So this now goes to our point earlier. I I think we were talking about I don't remember if it was I think it was the last uh, last week we were talking about after the preliminary hearing. Ramirez does now start to think about suicide. Um, because to him death was a better outcome than, than life behind bars. So, uh, as we know, um, you have people watching you. Mm -hmm. And so he had way too many people watching him to get away with it. They would not let him die on their watch. I was going to say he was probably on suicide watch. Like consistently after this. So he would, so now during this time he starts to receive dozens of letters and he would only answer a few. Uh, and they would range anywhere from spiritual guidance to sexual fantasies to condemnation. Satan worshipers, I imagine. Right, so one Satanist by the name of Ava O would write to him stating that she would uh, love to have sex with him over the, the bloody body, bodies of his victims. Oh. So she starts to write these really, which he loves, right? This, this is their thing. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about Ava O. She said in the letter, we don't know if this is true or not, but she slept in a coffin. And did not go out during the daylight hours unless she had to. So from all of of the letters and books sent, Richard would become a book junkie. Mm. So he started to love to read. (laughs) Um, And then he would read all day and night, almost like uh, manic, um, because it's the only escape he had. Fantasy, yeah, I was going to say. But the types of books that he was reading and and the letters he was getting only solidified how much the world was a judgmental and hypocritical place that wanted to see him gone. Yeah. So now the motive of his defense team was to delay the proceedings because they were starting to see if we delay and we buy Richard time, time would be his friend because witnesses die, they move away, they forget, and evidence falls away. So they knew the only chance of getting a lesser sentence at this point, which again was against Richard's... Um, wishes Mm -hmm. was to continue to delay. Ah. So now we're back on May 21st and we're back in court and the courtroom is, it remains packed. There's more groupies. It's, it's starting to look like a, like a live show. I mean, people are just coming in. Ava O is now in the courtroom this day. Um, he's pleading not guilty to his charges with all of the delays, helpin requests request that the case be moved to another judge. And because the judge is allowing these delays. So judge Tynan or Tynan, I don't know, Tynan would take over the case almost delayed again to accusations of racial bias by Tynan, which were rejected by the court. So on and on. What en- yeah, ends up happening then is, you know, he's Hispanic. So now then they use that against the judge and they're like, no, we're just moving on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> moving on. Uh-huh. So time is passing now. Richard <laughs> has, um, now put on a little weight. His hair's grown down to his shoulders. They, they describe, describe him almost looking like he has a lion's mane, which if you look at pictures of him, he does really look kind of disheveled,
0: really unkempt. I
1: imagine. Very unkempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of this had, was due to he was no longer allowed to be out of his cell for exercise or to see other inmates. They kept him really in solitary, not in solitary. He had light, but um, he was not kept with anybody and he lost a lot of his privileges. Okay. So more women would begin uh, seeing him and, and finding him very attractive, mm-hmm. probably saw him like a victim. And they started to deny that he could even ever commit these murders. So despite all the evidence, he now has this team of women who are like, he's just a victim.
0: Delusion.
1: So Doreen, who becomes a big part of this, she had written him in the past to, uh, she had written in to the Daily News in the past in defense of Richard, stating he did not do these things they are saying. No way. There's just something in his eyes like a little boy who needs help. I just want to reach out and embrace him. He's so sexy. Oh, boy. Yeah. you're <laughs> Just like, yeah. you, just oh, get, alrighty. you just get sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, um, we'll talk about Doreen in a bit, but many of the other women would also describe him as vulnerable, gentle like a lamb, oh. and sweet. Oh, okay. So Doreen finally meets him and almost... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's just so bizarre. It does seem. She bizarre. meets him, and she almost faints at the sight of him, like he's some messiah, uh. and and declares his love, which he reciprocates. Yeah, of course he does. So, can we just pause? Nothing, nothing to lose. <laughs> we, yeah, just pause for a minute, yes. and I just want to
0: get your <laughs> <laughs> as if it wasn't apparent. Yeah, yeah. I'm like making faces at Kathy. Analysis you can't see. of, of <laughs> analysis.
1: <laughs> yeah, how do you or assessment of yeah, yeah. these women who are completely able to ignore the truth. What is it? Do they need to see him this way? Do they?
0: Yeah. I mean, like what I was saying before, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go if you don't know the individual, but I mean, one of the things is uh, that specialness being, being special, wanting to be special. uh, But it's, I mean, I would imagine some of them are just straight up delusional. Yes. Like across the board delusional. Yes. And also might have some of the the issues that we see in um, certain mental illnesses where, you know, you you hear about people seeing something on television and then fixating on it and then developing a whole narrative and fantasy and delusion mm-hmm. around it and then going and pursuing it.
1: Well, and almost like the, the ideas of reference, uh, thinking yeah. like they somehow are attached to this and... Yes. He is their leader, and they are they've been brought into this, and they've recalled to this. It's really it's really sick.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I had a female client once who was convinced that and she was schizophrenic, and she was convinced that Obama was talking to her from the television because mm-hmm. that's certainly a, a hallucination and a delusion and all of that that happens quite a bit. The TV talks to you mm-hmm. and all of that. But her specifically was that Obama, was speaking to her, and then er, anytime she walked down the street and saw a black person, she would, like, bow to them. Mm. She would talk to them. She would bow to them. Was she She, white? She was Asian, actually. Um, And then when she would have her episodes where she would um, have a break and, you know, disappear for three or four days, she would talk about – you know, floating in the sky and, and, and hanging out with Obama and Hillary. Mm-hmm. And there was this, it was very clear delusion around that. Right. So that it kind of comes to mind. And I, I realized not all of these women were, were that, um, sick, but, but like we know about delusional disorder, yeah. you can, you can go through your life and
1: it, it's seemingly like nothing is re- now the way that they've change the
0: criteria they don't even have to be bizarre delusions to be considered a disorder so I also think though that some of the women also might have had situations where they had lost their narcissistic partner yes um been abused and been abused or any any combination of historical events but where they needed a new um dominant and he fit the bill, and he's a celebrity. There also might have been some of the women that truly believed he was innocent. I think so too. And I realize that's a delusion. No, too. I think
1: that's all of the above. But, I, th- yeah. I think the, the 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 first part you said those incredibly true, which is they were drawn to this type of abuse, and and whether they had lost it or they had been in and out of those relationships before, they were drawn to this um, dynamic. Mm-hmm. And he was in the public eye, which made it even more seductive. Yes, I believe that. Okay. So, um, okay, we left off with Doreen almost fainting. So now we're at the trial. The actual trial. Doreen comes back. Oh, Doreen. (laughs) So by the time of uh, the jury selection, the state of California had already spent $1,301,836 on
0: Ramirez. That's quite an accounting. So, yeah, wow. right? To, down to the dollar. <laughs> yeah, right. And 24 <laughs> yeah. cents. Yeah.
1: So he now, now time has passed. Oh, God bless Doreen. You ready? She's coming I'm full force. so ready. So Richard is now wearing a shirt and tie and a leather jacket that Doreen had bought him. Mm-hmm. And she would state, I loved him so intensely it hurt. Now, we hear that a lot from people in abusive yes. relationships, yes. right? Like, I, it hurts to love this person. It's so incredibly addicting addiction it's an addiction an obsession which we know isn't love so on the morning of the first day of the trial ramirez is brought in and the entire room goes silent uh jack vincow the son of one of his victims uh jack's mother was killed by richard was the first witness who would describe uh walking into his mother's death Mm. I can't even imagine having to do this. Yeah, the reality descends, you know. Yes. So Hernandez's only defense, the brothers' their only defense was trying to make an argument that he had killed his own mother due to a mental breakdown, and the judges just judge said, "Yeah, no, yeah, move on." He literally said, "Can we move on?" Oh wow! It just was like you're right under the legs of them. Huh? You're yeah. This is now you're
0: killing me here. Yeah.
1: Right. Um. So Halpin, uh, and if I haven't been very specific about Halpin, Halpin is actually the prosecuting attorney. So Halpin and Hernandez would continue to examine and cross-examine, okay. which, again, if you've done court work, is incredibly exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think the longest I have uh, been in a situation of uh, – been up testifying – And being examined, cross-examined back and forth is close to two and a half hours, um, which is it actually goes by very fast. But you are emotionally and mentally drained when you're done. It's like you you feel like you just got hit with like a a,
0: um, I don't know, like a well, the so much your body expends so much adrenaline and stress hormones that. Mm. You, you, your brain and your body would be exhausted because of all the energy it you took to, to think be so much to be in the moment yeah. for that long. I mean, people, we think we're in the moment. We're not. Right. <laughs> Most of the time. So
1: Richard begins to now put crime scene photos up in a cell wall using soap and toothpaste as his glue. He's starting to now really get sicker and sicker and sicker. So he now, and I never knew this, but he now wants to talk to Ted Bundy and ask him some questions. Okay. So he asked old Doreen to get his address because Bundy old Doreen. <laughs> Bundy was on a death row in Florida at this time. So I don't know, they didn't they don't get into whether that ended up happening, but I just think it's interesting that Ramirez was like, I want to talk to that guy. Being that Ramirez what he's describing is he just, he doesn't care if he gets the death penalty. He's not trying to avoid it. So I'm not really sure if he was wanted to talk to Bundy about tactics or maybe things that might help him. Maybe stir up some more chaos. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Press, right? Yeah. So Doreen continues her obsession. She continues to write to him each day, buys clothing for the court. So one thing about Doreen, and maybe this gives us a better um, understanding, is she was a virgin, and she wanted to give her virginity to him and marry him. And let me just say, I'm not saying that every virgin would want to sleep with Ramirez because they don't know what they're doing, but there was something about giving that to him that was very important for her.
0: It's submission, Yep. I mean, to me.
1: It is. So she was, She they described her as being very innocent, but educated. Mm-hmm. So the innocence fell into the submission and the education fell into getting him everything he needed for his case so he, she was totally used <laughs> yeah, yes um but he was also mesmerized because he loved to dominate he was mesmerized by her innocence um despite the sexual attention he was getting from other women yeah that he would be wanted- very attractive her.
0: right because it's a fantasy to be the one and only right he would have been the one and only
1: he would have been the one and only and he could easily manipulate her she wasn't seasoned at all these other women It was too equal. They had just as much of the sexual sadism and just crazy shit going on Mm -hmm. that he would, in some ways, maybe, I don't know, be intimidated by some of them.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in real life, he'd have to kill them. He would. He right, wouldn't be able to tolerate that, and he that could power. And
1: he could use her as his arms and legs and head outside of the prison.
0: Because real sexual power would have been very intimidating for mm-hmm. him. Oh, it, for it's sure. It's a fun game when it's not really happening.
1: And yeah. when there's humiliation involved. Yeah. When it's consensual, it's no fun. So we could continue to go down this rabbit hole of the trial, but what ends up happening is he initially admits to 20 murders. He's charged with 13 counts of murder, five counts of attempted murder, 19 counts of burglary, seven counts of rape, six counts of robbery, two counts of kidnapping, and 15 counts of sexual assault. It was a unanimous decision by the jury, and he was sentenced to 19 death sentences by means of the gas chamber. Following the trial, there was a lot of dispute as to whether Ramirez was in fact the devil or whether his upbringing was responsible for his psychopathy. So I just want to pause there for a minute because you and I have talked a lot about the idea that evil is not an explanation for this. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a classic case of nature and nurture. So his mm-hmm. biology coming from uh, a family of, like his mother would describe, incredibly impulsive, angry, and violent men, born into a situation that was less than ideal, and then exposed to the things that he was exposed to, violence, rape, murder, his own abuse, head injuries, epilepsy. I, I mean, y- he checks like every box that yeah. you don't want to have in life. Yep. And so this is found... People have their opinions. People still have their opinions. Doreen was not in the courtroom when Richard was sentenced, so one of his attorneys called to tell her that he'd received the death sentence, to which, again, she becomes faint and dizzy. Um, but she goes on to actually marry him in prison. And he would actually spend the rest of his days in San Quentin, only to be allowed visits through plexiglass. And he, he then died of liver failure on June 17, 2013.
0: And then that meant she was still a virgin. They never were. I don't know if they had the conjugal. The, I
1: don't know if they had the conjugal visits or not. Okay. Um, but I, I suspect that they did have sex. Whether it was, um, yeah, they snuck it or they had visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Okay. Whew. We're gonna take a break. Yeah, and then we're gonna spend a few minutes uh, reflecting. We'll be right back. we're back so this is not only a reflection really on this episode but a reflection on the four-part series that we just did Mm -hmm. i'm struck by i know that you and i spoke obviously occasionally as you were reading along we were doing other we were recording other episodes and you would mention like oh god today i read this part or that part Mm -hmm. um What was it about this that was maybe different from reading or talking about Bundy and Dahmer or also, I mean, we're getting some traction as though we've done this a few times now too. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware that there's an Mm -hmm. experience level that's come. Uh, So maybe a a better ability to compartmentalize some of the stuff, but I'm just wondering what your reflections are about it.
1: I think there was so much on him. I think it's in some ways similar to Manson, but then also different because I feel like there was a lot a lot more with Manson. I, I could have, it was really hard to decide how to break down the episodes because I could have got, I could have done five episodes just on his mental health. Mm-hmm. I could have done five episodes on his criminogenic tendencies. I could have done five episodes on the trial. So it was the fir- the hardest part initially was how was I going to break this down? Because he
0: was the most complicated and layered out of the three that I've done so far. That is absolutely always my biggest. That's mm-hmm. like the biggest magilla right? Like right out of the gate. How am I going to break down Manson into like a, I mean, I did six episodes, but I still had to break it down because there was way more. I could have there talked was way about, more. but like, what do I, what do you like shave off the top? What do you call? Right.
1: And then I also have to consider
0: people are listening and
1: there are certain things that are going to engage them in certain things that will just, feel like they're listening to a book on tape. So what I tried to do was find the highlights that still brought the case together, but didn't go down a rabbit hole of like an audible tape that they're listening to on the way to work.
0: We try not to do that ever.
1: Right. So, and I understand that part of that is going to be this because we need context. But um, I think the the most, the the trickiest part and the heaviest part for me was with Bundy and, and Dahmer, we had somewhat of a well not even a somewhat we had a caucasian male privileged to some degree Dahmer had other you know he he identified as a gay man and so there were some some of that there but with Ramirez it there was so much layered into his person whether it was his mental health, his socioeconomic status, his ethnicity, the time this happened, um, the city it was in, everything from physical complications to mental health. He was by far the most complicated and the most sadistic. So it was really tricky in delivering this in four episodes and making it palatable that I wasn't going off on a tangent, but also not
0: bringing in not bringing in enough so i you know absolutely I, th- yeah. I think um you know we have discussions about these series and how many episodes to do of each one and i and i i think originally you were thinking three but i think four was really great yeah. i mean and i,
1: I could have gone on in each of them but it would have been more of the same because yeah
0: there's a lot of repetition I mean we've talked lately about doing an episode where we sort of talk about them all mm-hmm. and and kind of break like look at the differences which mm-hmm. I think would be really interesting so maybe we'll do that in the summer or something but
1: but but yeah I think it was the intersectionality of all of all yeah. of it
0: with him it's a lot I that, mean like you yeah. said like you were just saying before the break like he checks every box checks every box and there's part of that to me that makes it very. Um, it's, it's an overwhelming feeling because of the checking every box. We just don't, it's possible that people think that everybody checks every box, but they don't. Right. It's like they check a few of the boxes. Right. And he checks all the boxes. And so when, when I knew that, and then you add that, and I know
1: that a lot of people listen and they want to hear about the, the psychological and criminal profile and the sadism, um, My God, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm like, how much of each of this can I bring in? But, and then it was just emotionally taxing to read through every single murder, Mm -hmm. every single detail. I remember when I got, excuse me, I got the book and it's like 700 pages long and I'm going the first 250 pages, I I didn't even go into nearly uh, Mm -mm. enough of, well, maybe enough, but I didn't go into nearly the amount of detail
0: in every single one of these murders that I, I read. Uh, Kuklinski's book, same author is the same thing. I mean, yeah. to go through someone's criminal history and childhood, and then also the trials and the investigations and everything. that's a seven hundred page book, plus because and you don't want to just read somebody's somebody else's work to them. obviously, we're trying to put together a psychological situation exactly. So. <laughs> and so I yeah. think
1: I think what I tried to do is I tried to take his childhood. I tried to take his um, environment. Mm-hmm his profile his murders and then put that together and then how does court respond to mental illness right because that's something you really
0: know about so
1: right so i I tried to make that trajectory i don't know if it worked or not but there is so (laughs) much with him that it was it was a lot
0: Well, and like, you know, like we're always talking about the complexity of the human psyche is something that we don't want to rush over or simplify or simplify. So I'm always on the side of more content rather than less. Mm -hmm. I I would rather go down a few rabbit holes in order to explicate that idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've, tried to do that in every series mm-hmm. um some of the series are longer because the s- people were simply more prolific mm-hmm. i mean that's the deal with manson and kuklinski is like you know 50 years of, yeah ramirez yeah.
1: was like two years
0: yeah so when you're into more of a prolific story, it's a just a longer story right um but i i think that complexity that piece is something that we don't want to um just gloss over, right, and I think that's why you know we've we've talked about doing some one off episodes, you know, picking a case of some kind that you guys might know about and doing one episode on that and i and I that's what we often try to do with like the documentaries that people do, but I think you know there are just some people that we we wouldn't want to do that because it would oversimplify I think the well. The picture, the mental health picture that you're looking at. And so maybe we will be able to do some one-offs when we start to do research on on many different people. And it's like, this could be a one-off because it's not Mm -hmm. as complicated as XYZ. But yeah, Ramirez, it was a very famous case Mm -hmm. and um, a complicated case. And because he checks all the boxes, we keep saying that, but because (laughs) he does what's where all these boxes the fbi (laughs) behavioral unit said sorry guys we can't help i mean that's bad yeah that's super bad and at the time and now they probably would be because there's probably been a hundred more like it since then it's just uh we we weren't we hadn't they hadn't had that much traction studying these Mm -hmm. guys yet I mean, it hadn't been the behavioral science. Well, and they also didn't have the technology we have now too. Yeah. There's cameras now. People have cameras in their homes. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a whole other ball game. Very difficult. So I want to make sure to thank you so much for all of the work you did with this. And I thought it was very interesting. I started
1: reading about him back in September. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you really draw it out the trauma for yourself. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm good on the Night Stalker for a while. You're good on the Night yeah. Oh, that's how I felt about every single one I've prepared. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't really want to read about this ever, anymore.
1: I think another reason, too, is I knew the least about him
0: compared to so Bundy. You were and learning. I yeah, learning. I was learning, which is new, draining. Yeah. Yeah, very draining. And taking notes and yep. the part of the preparation process. So, yeah. thank you so much for, for doing that. I know, obviously, experientially, <laughs> how much work it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's fun, though. Yeah, it's absolutely fun. And I'm trying to think right now of what we're doing next. <laughs> For next week? Think of it, Yeah, what are we doing next? So we have the Shrink Chat Show on Friday, which we very much hope you, you tune into. It's a shorter episode. We do some different stuff, if you've never listened to that. It's about a half-hour show. And so that'll be on Friday. And then the next week... We're doing Parasite? Yeah, I think we're going to do Parasite. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting because we both very much enjoyed that movie and it's got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So we want to do an episode on Parasite and we also want to do an episode on Capital Punishment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking at um, also an episode on exorcisms and... uh, Fear of the Devil, books and movies around that. I think that ties in a little bit to Ramirez, obviously, from what we've been talking about. And an episode on David Lynch and his work is coming up. Mm, uh, one of, one my, of my all-time favorites. favorites. I know. I think we have that in well, common. we came in. I'll just say
1: we came in today with lists of stuff we wanted to talk about and we hadn't shared yeah. what they were. And I was looking down Shannon's list and I go,
0: okay, so David Lynch is on there for both of I can't believe we haven't done it yet because we both love them so much. I know. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. We, we program out a couple of months at a time. And so if you guys ever have anything you want us to do an episode on, please shoot us an email because then I take the emails and I, I make master lists. And then every time we program, we, we pick episodes from the list we've already made. So that's sort of our next few episodes coming up. And then over the next couple of months, we'll be sure to tease whatever our next true crime series is going to be. But I also know that in April, we're going to get into some other um, true crime stuff. So stick around. We very much appreciate you listening. Uh, this is Tara Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk if you enjoyed this show there are two things you could do for us subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media as well as writing a review on itunes plus you could check out our patreon page don't hesitate to contact us on twitter instagram or facebook we upload new episodes of terror talk every wednesday and of shrink chat every friday until then goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow